Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, August 6th, 2022. A few nights ago, I was at a water park. As I was walking to leave the park, I saw a group of people floating down the lazy river. They were in their tubes, just sitting, exerting no energy and enjoying the ride. Wherever that river was going, that's where they were going. It was a great visual for what the scriptures tell us about this world and our heart. Both are wrought with sin and will lead us naturally toward destruction on their own. Imagine if all of a sudden those people on that lazy river were told at the end of it, the river fell off a thousand foot cliff down onto rocks. How comfortable would they be on those tubes? Would they just be chilling with a drink in their hand, having a casual conversation with those who were next to them as they floated toward their destruction? Well, as terrifying as that sounds, the spiritual realities of this world are much more frightening. Those who float down the lazy river of life spiritually who are not in Christ will be dashed upon the rocks of God's judgment. But unfortunately, I see far too many Christians Those who have repented and put their trust in Christ start to become too comfortable with the lazy river of life. Instead of helping others and staying alert, they are comfortable with just floating down with the rest of the world. Now, this isn't a perfect analogy, but I think we can all recognize that we must proactively work to remember who God is, to remember what God has done, and to remember what God has called us to do. Let's dive into our reading for today, starting in the Old Testament, starting in Psalm 136. Now, we don't know the author of this psalm or the occasion for what it was written. This psalm is a unique psalm in that after each phrase, there's a recurring phrase, for his steadfast love endures forever. This psalm starts out by praising God for the first three verses, then it gets into acknowledging God's creation, then it acknowledges God's deliverance or redemption, then it acknowledges God's provision and wraps up with more praise. It's possible that this was a psalm designed to help God's people worship him while training their minds and hearts to remember what God had done. God presents a pattern to his people throughout the Old Testament where he exhorts them to have knowledge and to remember that knowledge or information about who God is and what he has done. God knows that if his people don't know him, they'll be susceptible to start believing the lies that the false teaching and false gods offer. And he knows that if his people don't actively work to remember, they will rewrite history in their minds, resulting in anxiety over the future, forgetting what God has done in the past. Pride in their hearts, thinking that they were the ones responsible for the redemption or provision, or covetousness, resulting from a lack of gratefulness for what God has done over and over again. And covetousness leads to seeking provision from other false gods. We've seen that throughout the history of Israel. Perhaps you've heard me speak about a tradition that my family has that I learned from a pastor years ago. Each New Year's Eve, my family gets a bottle of sparkling cider or sparkling grape juice, and we read Psalm 136 out loud. And then, one by one, we yell out what God has done throughout the past year. And after each proclamation, we cry out together, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then we all cheers and have a drink of our sparkling soda or our sparkling grape juice. And we continue this over and over again, reciting what God has done throughout the previous year. It's an incredible time together as a family. 
We remember all that God has done. We remember who God is. We remember what it looked like to be faithful to God. And we are overwhelmed with God's kindness. Inevitably, our family is blown away with all that God has done. And we really elevate our view of him by recalling all of these things. Some of us had already forgotten much of it each year, and it reminds us on this December 31st to have the right perspective heading into the next year. Now, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what is one of the antidotes to anxiety? And this relates to our tradition on December 31st. Well, the antidote to anxiety is these thankful prayers to God, Paul says in Philippians. This should be a regular habit of every Christian. And you'd be amazed, even within this tradition in our family, how often we are calmed about the next year and what God has in our life. We might be going into a really difficult season. We might be in the middle of a difficult season. We are calmed and given the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding by going through this process each and every year. Oftentimes when I'm talking with someone who is struggling with anxiety, this is the first thing that we work on together. Instead of being overwhelmed with the what ifs, we want to focus on the who dids, so to speak. We want to look back and see the countless provisions from the Lord and his kindness displayed through his tender timing. We want to focus on what God has done because that helps us to be reminded that his steadfast love endures forever. And guess what? It always will. Let's transition to Psalm 134, which is the last song of ascents. These are psalms that would have been sung during the annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem for one of the three different feasts or festivals. This psalm is probably singing encouragement to the Levitical priests who would be ministering to God's people and providing burnt offerings day and night. Perhaps as God's people traveled up to Jerusalem, they would sing this psalm as a prayer to God for the Levitical priests that they would continue to worship God faithfully and that God would bless them. And perhaps this is a good reminder for all of us as we prepare to attend church this weekend to be with the body of Christ, to assemble together to worship God. Maybe this is a reminder for us to pray for our leaders in the church, pray that they would continue to worship God faithfully as they lead the church and that God would bless them in all that they do. Now let's move to the New Testament. We're in 1 Corinthians 16. We see at the beginning of this passage that Paul is taking up an offering for those suffering in Jerusalem. This is probably due to a famine that we know of. Paul has been collecting in a similar fashion from other churches as well, and he encourages them to give on the first day of the week. Well, what does this mean? Well, the first day of the week is Sunday. It was already a tradition in the early church to gather on the first day of the week. We see this in other passages like in Acts 20 verse 7 when Eutychus is raised from the dead. It says this, on the first day of the week, Sunday, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day and he prolonged his speech until midnight. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying to give regularly at each church service for this offering for Jerusalem so that you can give faithfully and I can just grab it when I swing by instead of waiting and trying to gather everything up. I want you to steward your wealth faithfully. I want you to give faithfully over time. Paul then talks about his plans to visit them in the future, Lord willing. And then Paul offers some final instructions as he closes out this letter. He offers five rapid fire pieces of advice in verses 13 and 14, which says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, 
Let all that you do be done in love. Now, it's been my pleasure to fill in for Pastor Ben this week, and starting on Monday, I'm going to hand off the baton to a few other gentlemen, and then I'll be back for a few days before Pastor Ben returns on August 22nd. So as I close out my time with you for a few weeks, I want to break down verses 13 and 14 to leave you with exhortation, much like Paul did to the Corinthians. He starts by saying, be watchful. The way that this is written in the Greek means that Paul is saying continuously be watchful. Be watchful all of the time. It's not a one-time event, but it's a lifestyle of watchfulness, looking out for false teachers, false doctrine, and anything that could cause you to sin. And I plead with you to always be watchful. Paul isn't just saying, don't fall asleep either. The man in the watchtower isn't successful just because he stays awake, but rather he must be proactively watchful, looking out for anything that might become a threat. Spiritually, we don't just want to get by, we want to be vigilant. My son and I went to a Christian concert a few nights ago, and it was a great opportunity to practice watchfulness. There was a lot of emotional things that sounded good at first listen from the stage, but if you compared them to scripture, they fell short of God's truth. The whole gospel wasn't preached, and instead there were moments of man-centeredness throughout the night. Those moments were met with applause and cheering by the crowd in general each time. But over the next week, I'm going to unpack those moments with my son to talk about where it fell short because it's wise to always be watchful. Satan's deception doesn't just come from liberal left-wing policies. It can come from a half-baked presentation from a professing Christian packaged in an emotional climate with a good music bed underneath to engage the senses. Paul then says, stand firm in the faith. When Paul speaks to the Ephesians about the armor of God, he says in Ephesians 6.15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Paul is using the imagery of a Roman soldier's footwear, which would have consisted of boots with nails or metal pounded into the bottom of them so that they wouldn't slip when they were in battle, kind of like cleats for the soldier. They would be immovable while battling against the enemy. How do we stand firm in the faith? Knowing the gospel of peace. Do you want to know two great ways to ensure that you know the gospel of peace so well that you can detect the slightest variance? Preach the gospel to yourself regularly and preach the gospel to others regularly. Well, how do you preach it to yourself regularly? You thank God for how he saved you, recalling the process, recalling how you were lost in your sins, separated from a holy God, and Jesus came. He lived the perfect life, died for you to pay the penalty of your sin, and he rose again from the grave, what we studied last time in 1 Corinthians 15. And you have repented from your sin and put your trust in Christ, accepting the free gift of grace by God's mercy. So we preach that to ourselves over and over again, and therefore it will help us to detect the slightest variance when the false gospel is preached. Paul goes on to say, act like men. Paul isn't saying something that is only relevant to men, but rather what he's saying is this, be mature. There's a reason we don't send children out to battle. They aren't mature enough to fight both physically, mentally, and emotionally. I encourage you to prayerfully consider where you need to be more mature. Are you like the Corinthians still seeking childish pleasures and pursuits? Something to pray about today as you consider how you can act like men or act like a mature 
Christian. Then he says, be strong. This isn't a call to the Corinthians to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and muster up the strength to fight on their own. It's actually quite the opposite. The reason this is paired with the imperative to act like men is because strength in the Christian life is paired with maturity in Christ. Your strength will come from Christ alone. Perhaps you need to put off those childish ways today, which will help you to put more focus on knowing God through his word and through prayer so that you can be strong in the Lord. And he wraps up this passage of exhorting commands with let all that you do be done in love. Paul, in his words immediately before this final imperative, has used words like stand firm, be strong, act like men. It would be easy to accomplish those imperatives with an aggression that isn't loving. Paul is saying pursue sanctification in Christ with a focused intensity, but do it in love. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 wouldn't have been a chapter separated from 1 Corinthians 16 as they read this letter. So Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13 are clearly in view here as they would have been just read a few minutes earlier in real time as the Corinthians consumed Paul's letter. It's almost as if Paul is saying, don't let my call to love soften your pursuit of biblical maturity. Don't let my call to biblical maturity and boldness soften your pursuit of biblical love. As I think about our passages for today, something hits me that ties them all together. A constant pursuit of holiness. Whether we're instilling traditions in our home to never forget the faithful, steadfast love of the Lord, or we are reviewing biblical truths daily, specifically the gospel, so that we may stand firm in the faith. We are in pursuit of a life set apart for the work of the Lord. We must remember who God is. We must remember who we are. We must remember how God reconciled us to himself through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must remember that we are prone to forget. We must remember the weight of sin. We must remember that our enemy never takes a break. And we must remember that God wins in the end. We must not be content to float down the lazy river of life spiritually. Because that river leads to apathy, forgetfulness, laziness, and a lack of love for others. I pray that you are blessed this weekend wherever you worship as you open up God's word to remember who he is, to remember what he has done, to remember what he has called us to do. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. Pastor Ben Blakey will be back again on August 22nd. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.